Welcome to the Selling Excellence Podcast for Business Executives, presented by Octus IQ. We all know B2B selling is not getting any easier, and what's worse, it is getting more expensive. Hello, I'm Tim Geiser, your host and partner at Octus IQ, a selling excellence as a service company. Our goal today is to give you some insights, some learnings that help you turn your sales organization into an asset, a company asset, not a pain in the asset. All right, wow, what a great episode we've got today, and here's why. We are going to be talking about recruiting, and recruiting could not be any more topical than it is today. And I have Troy Cantor with me today, who's been a part of recruiting his whole life in sales organizations. Troy, just a couple words before we jump into this thing and what you're seeing. Yeah, you you can't talk to a CRO or a CEO without one of their top two concerns about their sales force being this massive labor shortage that we're going through, can't get people to apply, trouble recruiting, you know, everyone's talked about the great resignation at nauseum. Yeah, there's also right. this enormous demographic shift that's going on inside sales forces. There's a lot of people that are reaching retirement age or taking early retirement. So there's a lot of open territories out there. Yeah, it's just kind of like the perfect storm. So today's episode, and thanks for being here today, Troy, we're going to be talking about, you know, that traditional way of recruiting, the transformational way of recruiting, but there's also this cool kind of halo that you and I were talking about beforehand, which is this glare factor that happens in and through that process of recruiting and then the final interview process. But before we get into that, I think you You've got some really cool stuff here that as Octus IQ works in, in both areas of sales and in athletic recruiting, you get some kind of cool parallels. Tell us about that. How does that apply? Yeah, and it, there's great linkages between the work we do with some of the top college football teams in the country, even NFL teams, you know, wow. as they think All about right. recruiting. And then as we're working with CEOs and CROs, helping them get those open territories filled. And it's, uh, you know, again, on the sales side, all those things we talked about, a whole bunch of open territories and struggling to get really good folks in those spots. And it, you know, made me think about, let's think about this differently. There's this concept of glare factors Mm -hmm, that just get in the way of people making really smart recruiting decisions. Yeah, could glare factor meaning that they, they see they see what they want to see or they get they see the shine on someone's resume and it and it kind of head fakes them to use a football term, right? Yeah, like again on the business side it's I want 5 years or 10 years experience in SaaS or in analytics or whatever that industry yeah, segment right, is that absolutely. you're working in. I want X on education like um, you know, there's also this natural thing about appearance. Those are glare factors that mm-hmm. get in the way of making really smart decisions. Mm-hmm. In football, it's 40 time. Yeah, it's right. size. It's strength. It's the school that you went to. And it's crazy. You know, just was the Super Bowl wasn't that long ago. The NFL playoffs weren't that long right. ago. Right. And you just look at, I just went down, I just wrote down a list of all of the people in the playoffs in the NFL this year that just had massive impacts on the outcomes of those games that were no stars to two or three stars. You've got Josh Allen was a two star Cooper cup, the Super Bowl MVP. Right. right. I mean, he was a fantastic. I think he might've been a no star. Isn't that something? And, and the list just go Devonte Adams, Travis Kelsey, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo, Aaron Jones, 
Aaron Donald. I mean, yeah, I mean he, I mean he was he was key to winning the Super Bowl. I mean, that, it's right. I mean, and those those stars, you know, they're kind of created around this ecosystem, right? Not just their school, their forty time, and all of that. It's kind of the ecosystem that creates the glare factor, too, right? Yeah, and it's you know as you talk with NFL GMs or college coaches, yeah, they they never say, well, we didn't understand the forty time. We didn't understand their size. Mm -hmm. They always talk about what they missed on was the character, Mm -hmm. who they were was people, their responsibility, their work ethic, their determination, their, their resilience, their grit, Mm -hmm. their mental and physical toughness. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's similar factors on the sales side. Like when I talk with CEOs and just say, tell me about the very best people that have ever sold for your company. They talk about, the learning agility, the relationship capacity, the resilience, the right. determination, Those you the can't grit. See, but you know, are there, and they prove themselves out of over time. Yeah, yeah. But yet, when I talk with them about, okay, help us fill these open territories, they don't start with that list. <laughs> they start with, I need X number of years of experience. I want X on education. But yeah. all of a sudden, the glare factors jump right back up front, and that you've got to come up with ways that you widen the net that you're fishing in bigger ponds because you've got to get more applicant flow, mm-hmm. especially if you focus on the outcome, right? which the outcome isn't just filling a territory. The outcome is someone that can crush the number mm-hmm. and create enormous value for your organization. Same thing in the NFL, like GMs, the outcome is, will this person make an, uh, an enormous contribution to wins? Mm-hmm. Will this person end up being all pro? Like, you know, here's a great number for you. Like, as I'm working, you know, in the NFL, it, like you go to the Hall of Fame, there's not a single wide receiver in the Hall of Fame that ran a four five. Are yet, you kidding me? No, yet, but there's a great glare factor. Yet when I'm working with a lot of these Division One football programs, some of them aren't even looking at wide receivers. They won't even consider them unless they're running a four five. Mm-hmm. So again, all of a sudden there's a glare factor that just, drastically limits the pool for you and the ability to do something at excellence. You know, it's, it's so interesting when, you know, we have these conversations, we talk about talent, we talk about the intangibles, we talk about the data that is produced in the ecosystem, you know, how I, you know, for our audience, the parallel between football and sales is, is evident. And it, and it, and of course the love and the affection between both of the professions is there, but there's the key, element to this of how do you operationalize getting past those glare factors you know yeah there's such a traditional way in which you recruit right but there needs to be a transformational one i mean we're on the forefront you're on the forefront of you know transformational way to recruit on football what is that what is that transformational way in which to recruit and get the right talent on the field in sales what are those key elements to doing yeah you know what there are like two or three slight pivots you can make in just the operational process of recruiting that goes from the traditional way of doing it to just a slight tweak almost it makes it transformational. You know, here's, here's one of the simplest things that go on today in recruiting. Everyone's chasing the exact same candidates. Mm-hmm, right. And this isn't a knock against corporate recruiting departments, but they're not incentivized the right way. The structure isn't in place. When you look at the top 20% of any sales force, and the people that you're trying to target that top 20%, right. 
sales is unlike any other job family that you recruit for. The very best salespeople are not available between eight and five. They're working, aren't they? They're working deals. If you're not a customer, you're not a prospect, they're not talking to you. Yeah. What we've learned, and we've been able, like a lot of our clients aren't facing this kind of great labor shortage that everyone's talking about because we have salespeople recruiting salespeople. And I'll get back to talk to you about why that's so critically important. But our most meaningful conversations happen between 7 and 10 o'clock at night and 8 to 12 on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, That's the only Makes time yeah. you can get, again, the very best people. That's when they're available. Well, and they probably will take the time, right? And you can have a good conversation. You can ha- ask some great questions. They can ask some great questions of you. It just it creates a, a better conversation environment, right? Well, they'll take the call if there's someone on the other end that's leaving the message that knows their life right. and the challenges yeah. they're experiencing in their current industry mm-hmm. and at their current organization. Just salespeople talk differently to salespeople. And they it's sure just, do. There's a credibility issue yeah, there. Absolutely. That all of yeah. a sudden, you can open the floodgates in terms of those people that aren't looking for work. Mm-hmm. And those are who you want to hire, the people that are not looking for work. And that's why salespeople recruiting salespeople is so effective and then being available at 10 o'clock at night uh-huh. or again uh-huh. before the round of golf at 8 <laughs> o'clock in the morning on Saturday. Right. And that's right. where you make the most meaningful connections and you get the best candidates engaged. And so that's, again, not to knock corporate recruiting, but companies don't incentivize their staffs to work those hours and they don't measure them on that whole quality of candidate component. And that's where I think having an outside partner to supplement your current staff or on those really important high value jobs to have a partner that just takes full accountability for getting you the absolute very best people Mm -hmm. that have the right kind of experiences and background, but yet also possess all of those attributes that you know that lead to being in that top 20% of your performers. Yeah. And then overlaying into that is, is like we're doing with football, measuring those intangibles. Right. And understanding those intangibles. So all of those things working together, that that creates a an I would assume a very powerful process that just is transformational day one when you bring people in. Yeah, you open the floodgates of employed, highly talented people that aren't looking for work. Mm -hmm. That's who you want to recruit. Then you know in advance how to engage them how to get them to even pause, even if it's at eight o'clock at night That's or on one Saturday of the morning. challenges, yeah. Then to your point, then to overlay the ability to measure what are the critical skills and what are those attributes? The attributes that, you know, I'm working with general managers in the NFL on that they want to evaluate. Some of those attributes are fairly similar. You know, you measure them slightly differently, but they're similar to what CROs and CEOs are looking for and being able to really clearly measure those. And then provide that slate of candidates so that all of a sudden the frontline sales managers, he's looking at the open territory. He's down to three really highly qualified folks that possess all of that natural attribute that, you know, leads to long-term success. Yeah. And what, I mean, as a sales manager or sales leader to have one or two, three candidates where not only it's a tough choice, but we've seen it. I know you've seen it where sometimes when you provide a good slate of candidates, they actually find other places to put them, 
right? They find other positions, they open up a territory because when you find great talent that's going to drive your business, you're going to take them, right? Yeah, it's this, it's such a critical, always recruiting because, you know, so often we get the phone call when, you know, the territory has been open for 90 days. Right, right. All of a sudden you've got lag time to fill. But again, to have a partner to supplement your in-house staff or to have a partner that's just constantly sourcing and screening and building the backlog. Yeah. Just, it enables you to, well, it's, I mean, you know, people on this podcast are people that are trying to hit quarters. They're trying to hit years and those open territories kill you. So being able to quickly plug people in is everything. And then the other area that I see companies that the traditional way of interviewing and working these people through your process is entirely broken. Like I'm seeing it add two, two weeks to two months to the hiring process when all of a sudden you've got two or three or in sometimes five or six people that need to be involved in the interview process. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then not to mention, most people aren't trained on how to do really effective interviews that are really meaningful yeah. and that are helping you understand who the candidate is <clears throat> as yeah, a let's, person. Let's talk about that a little bit because, um, you know, many times when salespeople are in front of another salespeople, they have a great conversation. They look for those re- relational cues, but that's not enough really, is it? Now people tend, again, glare factors jump yeah. into how people interview. People listen differently when the person possesses the experiences that they're looking for or has the educational background that they're looking for, or if it looks like them, oh, or right. reminds them of right. them. It's just the questions they ask and how they listen are entirely different than what they ask or how they listen of someone who doesn't possess some of those background factors right. that they're typically right. looking at. Yeah, so so if you were to, I mean, part of what our job here on this podcast for our audience, which um, again, thank you for listening in. It's just a growing audience because no one's talking about a lot of this is, is this is a, is a big part of the feedback we're hearing, but what we do is we provide a tip, some ideas. All right. So, you know, what have you learned as far as tricks and tips on asking the right questions? And I'm guessing it's not just the questions. It's probably what you're listening for too. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. No, I, lo- I love the question. So, you know, we have a team of PhD level psychologists. So when we're doing this for folks, you, you get a really in-depth understanding of who this person is as a sales executive or who they are as a sales leader, mm-hmm. just like in the NFL. Right. Um, you know, so, but I've got sort of some, you know, after literally studying this for decades and decades and figuring out what really predicts success, as you try to streamline the interviewing process and make it a great experience for the candidate and make it so that you're actually objectively understanding who these salespeople are. I've got like a a 30 minute interview process that just, I think it's almost magical at uncovering who these people are as salespeople. And it's, and it's part of, it's a really important part of being a sales leader that you don't get good training in. Mm. So I don't know, I'm happy if we have time just like to explore. And it's really a small number of questions that you can go through. And I'm happy to kind of lay those yeah. out if we Troy, fire away. I think this is, this is exactly the sort of thing we, we like to pass along. So process-wise, I think it's really important that instead of passing someone around to two or three people or sometimes six or seven, put everyone on a Zoom call mm. or put everyone in the conference room. And if they can't make it, have someone who's trained in how to ask these questions, just record it. So it's on Zoom. So if you can't be available 
you know in advance the questions that are going to be asked and what you're listening for. It just condenses time because your very best candidates aren't waiting around very long. Mm -hmm. So I've seen so many clients just lose people just on their process alone. Right, right. Let's fast forward to the questions. So I always think the setup is really important. And the setup is we want to understand you as a person because who you are as a person is one of the leading indicators of how successful you're going to be here. It's, you know, outside of the people that you love and care about, what you do for a living is the next most important part of your life. So let's make sure it's not only a great fit for you, it's also a great fit for us. So I like that as a setup and say, with that in mind, let's just slow down and let's just start from the very beginning. Tell me about growing up. Tell me about what was the most meaningful experiences in your life, what shaped and formed you, and what put you on this path to where you are today. And then let them go. Don't interrupt them. Just let them talk. And what that'll give you is just this gold into what inspired them, what shaped them, what formed them. And then you have potential follow-up there. But what's also just as revealing is you'll find 30 almost sometimes 40% of the time, people won't, they'll act like they didn't even hear you say, let's slow down and talk about you. They'll instantly jump into their professional experiences. They won't even tell you about their childhood or growing up. And so right out of the gates, like there's two things there and neither one of them are predictive of being a great salesperson. One, they didn't listen. Second, they had zero empathy. They didn't, actually appreciate that you were actually trying to take time to understand them and get to know them. Yeah. What's just ignored it. Yeah. What's so cool about that is that first question right out of the gates, it just, it puts the glare factor away, doesn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it puts the candidate at ease. And you really do. If you just listen, you'll learn a lot about who they are as people Mm. and what inspired them, what was important in their life. And just from a, from a character uh, resourcefulness, um, what inspires them. Like you'll learn a ton. Yeah. Yeah. Then I like to move into the next question is that's great. Let's transition to the professional side. Who's the best sales leader you've ever worked for and just shut up and just listen. Hmm. And sometimes the people will pause and they'll think about it, but just let them. Yeah. Just use yeah, the silence. Some time, think some about space. it. Yeah. Cause you want and, a good answer. And they'll start talking, right? Uh And then just that alone, listening carefully, you'll learn what kind of management did they respond the best to. Uh Mm -hmm. Then what sometimes you'll get about 25 to 30% of the time is they won't answer you again. They'll talk about characteristics of sales managers, Mm -hmm. but they'll never mention a name. Ah, And so people that don't mention a name, all of a sudden, again, there's a couple of red flags that go up. Mm -hmm. One, they didn't listen to your question, which again, never predict success as a salesperson. And secondly, they lack relationship capacity that throughout their career, they never built a meaningful relationship with someone that they reported to Mm -hmm. that had Mm -hmm. huge influence on their life. So it gives you some warning signs there as well. And as I listen to that, I love the next follow-up question is... If I was to sit down and have a cup of coffee with that person, how would they describe you? Mm. And that, again, starts to give you more insight uh-huh. into who they are as a uh-huh. person. Uh-huh. And they can't fib it right. because all of a sudden you've got their name. Right. And right. now 
you know, you're, you can reach out to them and find them in today's uh-huh. world. Uh-huh. So you tend to get some integrity there. Yeah. And then I love it. And then just, again, these, this isn't a long interview. You move on to the next question and just say, God, I appreciate that. Now let's switch gears. Who's the best salesperson you've ever worked for or ever worked with? Uh-huh. And now they're into the flow. They'll start talking about it, describe them. And then I say, okay, well, what, what did you admire about them? What did you learn from them? And it'll give you some insight into their selling style and, and insight into what they aspire to be as a seller. Then again, the follow-up is if I was to sit down and have a cup of coffee with them or give them a call, how would they describe you? What would mm-hmm. they say your greatest strengths are? Uh-huh. And again, it just it gives you such great insight uh-huh. into what their strength as a seller is yeah. as well as yeah. their relationship capacity. Yeah. I mean, so let's take this and kind of put it into a real world situation. I mean, you've perfected this over the years, right? And you've you've had these conversations. I mean, tell me about someone who just really kind of came to life in this in this process that that actually to our point of glare factors kind of revealed themselves as this person's going to go kick some butt. This person's going to make money for the company. Well, yeah, I just even in my early days of building my first company. I remember one of the, you know, an early interview, you know, there was a, a young person who their background was in the area of selling periodical display space, right? Periodical display space. Right. They would go call on like, like magazine racks. Yeah. Magazine right? okay. racks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and the product that I was going to market with was this complex new generation, one of the first software as a service products with an okay. analytics overlay right. into the human resource space. I mean, so your first temptation is to go find software salespeople. Exactly. Right. Um, and back then I, I had to find software because there weren't very many SaaS sellers yet. Mm-hmm. And we were doing analytics before analytics was even considered a thing. So you naturally would think, okay, well, I've got to get really highly educated people. Like you said, with all the software background, all of a sudden, when, when I asked those opening questions to this young seller, it was like the work ethic, the discipline, the relationship, the importance of, you know, his mother and his father and a couple coaches that he had mentioned and how those people described him because mm-hmm. he didn't have a ton of work experience yet. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. like, he was able really quickly able to pivot. He's like, well, I've only had, I've only had one job and I've only had it for 12 months. I don't know if I've had great sales leadership yet, mm-hmm. but instantly knew what I had asked and said, but let me tell you what my high school baseball coach would tell me, uh-huh. tell you about me. Yeah. Let me tell you what my college right. baseball coach would, how he would describe me. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden there was just like these incredible learnings about this person that just, I just knew He's, he may not have the product knowledge or industry knowledge, but he's got everything I'm looking for. He's got for. the intangibles in spades. So, yep. so, okay, so fast forward. What happened to this guy? Oh, ended up being one of the, you know, most productive people in the entire, you know, human resource software space. I bet you'd love telling that story. I've got <laughs> hundreds of them. I mean, literally, right. I mean, literally, I mean, I've had a unique career where I've, you know, built an you know, part of building an enormously successful publicly publicly traded company that got bought by IBM and then ran one of the world's largest sales training companies. I'm on, you know, half a dozen boards. I mean, I've looked at a lot of sales forces, right? And so I've bet there are, geez, it's got to be upwards. It's probably grown close to 200 people that I worked with or saw recruited as entry-level salespeople that are now 
VPs of sales, CROs, or CEOs. And so you just, you just know it. When you ask mm-hmm. the right question and you listen, even yeah. though you're interviewing for a sales job, yeah. you're like, okay, she's going to end up being a CEO someday. Yeah. Even yeah. though I'm hiring her to be an account executive yep. in 10 years, she's going to be running something. All the intangibles are there. So, yeah. So, so, Troy, this has been really valuable. And, you know, for those of us that are, you know, listening intently, especially those that are listening into the, on the podcast, you gave them some really valuable things, right? This is, this is incredibly good advice. You're doing this for the NFL. You're doing this for businesses. You know, pulling this all together in a way that says, you know, what's, what, what is that, that aha moment that you, you know, obviously see from the, the, from the business side and the NFL administrator side, but what is that special thing that happens for that seller? You know, once they get through this and they realize that they have quite the potential to achieve, I mean, there's more than just the interview and the recruiting process. There's the after effect, right? That you're talking about. And that coaching has got to be enormous to the seller and to those that are helping that seller. Is that right? Well, it's, you know, as a business leader, as a sales manager, you're in the opportunity business. Yeah. And there's no greater personal satisfaction than helping someone do something that transforms their life, transforms their earnings, transforms what they're able to do for their family. And so that's a perfect pivot because the last questions on the interview process set you up to ensure that you can shrink time on how these people get productive. And those quick final questions are as much to figure out who the candidate Mm -hmm. is, but also to set them up for success inside your company. And then I like to go to the two last ones are, what's the deal in your career that you are the most proud of? And well, that's got to reveal a ton of things, right? Because then it's like, okay, well, why? Yeah. And all of a sudden you start learning about who they are and what their strengths and deal navigation are and what they're the most proud of. Mm-hmm. And then the final question is you just lay out your selling process and say, I'm going to give you the seven to eight phases of selling here. And so take out a pencil so you can write them down. I'm going to come back and ask you about them. And then they're thinking you're going to say, okay, well, tell me, you know, rank them in order. Give me your best. Give me your worst. I just say, all I want to know is as sales executives, we have to be good at all of these, but all of us have one or two on that list that have explained most of our success in our career. What are those one or two for you? And all of a sudden you can start figuring out, okay, here's where their strengths are, here's where their developmental needs are. So again, not only gives you great insight into I wanna hire this person, that's all of the data that sets you up for the fastest 90 days onboarding that you've ever done. And again, those, that quick list, that only takes 30 minutes. And it just reveals so much, not only about who to hire and why, but how do I make them as successful as possible at my company? Yeah. You know, this episode is, um, for those listeners, it's going to probably give them a whole bunch of things that can transform how they, how they recruit, right? And you can go down the traditional route. You can go down the transformational. But what's cool about what you're saying, it's not some big, wild, crazy idea. And, you know, you have to go to a seminar for three days. These are just really good points along the way from the very beginning through the questions you ask in the final interviews, as well as then after that to get them productive. This has just been amazing. Um, One question, though, before we go, how are you seeing this roll out 
in, in, in professional sports and in, and in college sports for the work you're doing that is in parallel to this here on the sales side? Uh, it's, as I talk to an NFL GM or a head coach or a Division One head coach, I've never heard someone say, well, that person, I missed on that draft choice or I missed on that recruit because I didn't understand their 40 time. Yeah. Or I didn't right. understand the school they went to mm-hmm. or I misread the film. It's always because they didn't understand who they were as people. Same thing on the sales side. It's it's always about you got to start with who they are as humans. Yeah. And in some cases, the frontline sales manager is hard to convince of this. And so there's a number of clients where I've actually, we've had to say, right, right. okay, I know you like this conceptually, but you have an open territory. You're scared to death. You're behind quota. You want an industry person. Here's the deal that will make you. 75% of your hires will come from that industry that you're looking for. But let us also get you 25% of your new hires that are just about who, the, just about the attributes. Mm-hmm. And we've done over, like in the last five years, over 300 studies that, when you're hiring to who the person is 12 or 24 months later, those people are always out producing the people that are hired with glare factors. Yeah. yeah. Be care, be careful of the glare factors, get to the, get to the person, right? Yep. So you can recruit them in and make them productive and help them in their career. Troy, another great episode. Hopefully everybody out there learns something about this glare factors that we all need to be careful of. Thanks a lot. You got all the best. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Selling Excellence Podcast for business executives. I hope you've gained some insight on how to help turn your sales organization into a company asset versus a pain in the asset. Don't forget to subscribe to the Sales Excellence Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about Octus IQ or to schedule a discovery call, visit our website at octusiq.com. Until next time, this is Tim Geiser, your host and partner at Octus IQ, here to help you sell more and grow your company. A Huda Media Production.